Good to see you here this morning. Boy, are we excited to uh, dive into the Easter season? Are we ready to dive into the Easter season? <laughs> yes. What that means is reflecting upon the work of Jesus for you, personally, for me, for us. Jesus really has done this best work, not just on the cross, but on the resurrection. Right? The cross means nothing without the resurrection. So we get to believe in the powerful life being able to live right now because of that. I mean, that gives us something to celebrate. Amen? It's good. And uh, boy, it's, it's going to be a fun week. We've got a lot going on. We have our Good Friday service that will be happening this Friday at 7 o'clock here. We have never done a Good Friday service, ever. So this is the first time we've ever done it. Come experience it for the first time with us. We're, we're, we're just diving into this. And uh, we're going to reflect upon uh, Jesus and the, his road to the cross, what that means to us. We'll be taking a time for communion, reflecting about what that means personally and how, the, how uh, his blood just washes over our sins and what that means and what that meant then at that time before the resurrection came. But uh, it'll be a great, great time of reflection. Also on Saturday, we'll come Friday, and on Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock at Plain City Park, we will have our annual Easter candy hunt, and this is a great opportunity for our church to just go out and be a part of our community, just be with them. I mean, Jesus was out in the community. The church should be out in the community. This is a core belief of ours, is that we exist to serve our community. Jesus Christ came to, uh, to serve. I think the church is an extension of Jesus. We are here to serve right? The church doesn't exist to be served. We, church, we, we exist to serve. And through we serve, we, we don't serve in our name. We really don't serve in the name of Northview. That's just a, a, a way to get people to know the name of Jesus. This is all about Jesus. So we say, hey, we're doing this for the love of God. So let's do that on Saturday, Plainstead Park at 1 p.m. There's a meeting. If you want to be a part of this, I hope you do. At one, uh, at, right after this service in the youth room, uh, they, we're going to go over all the details. You can ask questions and see what time you need to show up to be part of it. Anybody, if this is your first Sunday, you want to be part of it, you just go right over there. We'll, we'll, we'll plug you in. It'll be great. You don't have to do anything. Just come up and be, be a part of this. It's going to be a lot of fun. We usually have quite a few people showing up this, 800 to 1,000. Sometimes we had about 1,200 people to this Easter candy hunt. We just really don't know. Pray for the weather, by the way, that we have good weather on Saturday at 1 o'clock. I don't care if it rains at noon. Let's just not have it rain at 1, Okay. <laughs> So we'll be praying about that. And then um, also our growth track is happening right now in the other building. This is a great opportunity for people to get to know why they, uh, why they exist, what their purpose is. We discover what God, how God can use their gifts and their strengths and talents. Today is the second week, the second Sunday. So every week we do this. The second Sunday is where they're discovering their uh, ministry giftings personality test. You kind of figure out who you are, and then that's always a fun time for them over there, so they're discovering this. What does that look like in uh, some opportunities here at church to be able to be a part of and connect with the team? So many, many things that are happening, and on top of that, keep our church in prayer through property. We're looking at property. We are in conversation. We're meeting with a realtor. There's an opportunity on 2700, which is the, the heartbeat of this community, and we believe that God wants to strategically place us Right downtown, right there. And uh, we really, really have a great opportunity ahead of us 
But uh, be praying about that, what that could look like for our church and the possibility of what could that, that could be. So just, just keep us in prayer. We do, our board members and all of us as a church, we, just, we need the prayers. This would be a house of prayer. So keep that on the forefront of your mind. Well, a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday and staying home from church with his mom, his father returned from church holding a palm branch. And the little boy was curious and asked, Dad, what, what do you ha- why do you have a palm branch? Well, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved, waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today. The little re- boy replied, oh, shucks, the one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Jesus to show up each and every week here at church, and I hope you're anticipating that to happen because we're here to meet him. In fact, I tell you, he's already here before we come, and he's here in our hearts, and when we share together, two or three are gathered in his name. Many things can happen, and so it's a wonderful place to anticipate the movement of the name of Jesus in our hearts. The passenger tapped on the cab or the tap the cab driver on the shoulder to ask him something. The cab driver screamed, lost control of the car, nearly hit a bus, went up on the sidewalk and stopped inches from a department store window. For a second, everything went quiet in the cab. Then the driver said, look, mister, don't ever do that again. You scared me half to death. The passenger apologized and said, I'm sorry, I didn't know that a little tap on the shoulder would startle you so much. Which the driver replied, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. Today's my first day as a cab driver, and I've been driving a hearse for 25 years. (laughs) This story illustrates the danger of routine and familiarity. We can be so steeped in our routine that we stop paying attention to what we're doing, where we are at, or even who we're with. Let us never get into the dangerous familiarity, right, of coming to church that we forget and miss out why we're here and who we're here with. It could be dangerous to drive on the road that we drive on every single day. It could be dangerous if we uh, parent and get used to uh, taking things for granted and and, and living a life of routine and familiarity. It can be dangerous in our marriages or our relationships if we live in a life of routine and familiarity. And Easter can be just as dangerous if we live in that familiarity and easily go through the motions of celebrating without really knowing and letting the message that we've heard because it's become familiar or routine to impact us. So the challenge for us as we enter into the Easter season is that we do not just do this out of a routine, out of a habit. I mean, we have the understanding. We know what Jesus did and all that sort of thing. But if we ever teach it as a blah, 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 we're missing out. The message is central to why you're here. The message of Easter is central to why you're here. We would have no reason for being here if Easter never happened. Quite frankly, it wouldn't matter if Jesus was born. It wouldn't matter if he died on the cross. Without Easter, none of that matters. Easter is the reason. We say that that, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's true for Christmas, but it's especially true for Easter. Listen, Easter means nothing with the Easter bunny. He means nothing for your eternity. Easter is, I mean, uh, the Easter bunny, he's a pink, fluffy, fluffy character. It, It is not what Easter is about. And I know I don't need to preach that here. But... We do need to make sure that we are not coming into this message with a familiarity and a routine. 
So what I want to do is I want to ask that we just come in today with a perspective of fresh eyes. And sometimes that can be just a little bit difficult, right? Because it just happens. It settles in. So what I want to do is just pray that God will give us some fresh eyes. And I'm going to kind of speak in a little bit of a first person as a uh, person of witnessing uh, Palm Sunday. Just a little bit what that might have looked like back then. And kind of talk about the story. But before we do that, let's just ask God's help. Just so that we can see with a new vision, fresh eyes. God, the Easter message of the cross, your death of your son, and the resurrection of Jesus is so extremely powerful and personal. Help us, God, today to just see things with a brand new set of eyes spiritually. Give us a fresh start into seeing what was displayed and and demonstrated as if it were the first time. Let us never take it for granted in Jesus' name. Amen. Palm Sunday is all about a miracle worker who came from Galilee. This man in Galilee on this day was greatly honored and celebrated. You should have seen it. The town of Jerusalem, if you don't know, Passover was just getting ready and and the celebration. People were making pilgrimages over to Jerusalem and there was hordes of people coming and It was astonishing to see how many people were crowded around Jesus. Now, I've heard of Jesus before. I hadn't actually seen him. My friends have saw him and encountered him. I know about the healings. In fact, there's many people that followed him just to see him do a miracle, just to see him touch a blind man. But this celebration was something different. I've I've heard of how he would go around speaking in the synagogues or even teaching at the Sea of Galilee. But here he is, and there's so much celebration. People were dancing, stretching their hands out just to, just to touch him and shouting, just to get a glimpse of him and saying, Hosanna. This man had become a sensation. Listen, in our region, this just doesn't happen. We live in a pretty quiet town, although the Romans, when they came in, we've been under their oppression, and so we've, we've kept it pretty quiet. But Jesus is turning our town upside down. And everywhere that I go, people know that name, Jesus. There are people that love him and are excited about him. And the claims that he's making, he's the son of God. And he's been preaching about the kingdom, a new kingdom. And a new covenant. He even said that he could forgive sins. Who is this Jesus that can do that? Well, I believe that he's the Son of God. But there's some people out there that they don't like what he's doing with this religious reformation. 
fact, the religious leaders, the church leaders, the priests, I think they want to kill him. I mean, he's stirring things up about what he talks about forgiveness. I mean, that can only come from God. It was what the religious people have told us. But Jesus, this man from Galilee, he can provide that? He seemed like pretty outlandish claims, but then again, he's healing and doing miracles that I've never seen before. And the religious leaders, they're just not getting the honor and that reputation that they, they used to have. In fact, Jesus, I heard that he called them snakes. You know, I, I, I want to, I, I believe that he's the Son of God, but there's so much, so much turmoil. In fact, there's riots that have been happening controversial belief statements. Everything that I've known from generation to generation about the law of Moses and, and how, it's to, how we're supposed to fulfill the duties. And Jesus isn't even saying anything about temple tax when it comes to asking for forgiveness and receiving it. This man named Jesus, he's claiming to be the king. Today is Palm Sunday. It's an important day. For today, it marks the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. This is the first day in what would be his last week, and some of us call it the Holy Week or know it as that. And this weekend would take him to the cross on Friday morning and in the tomb Saturday and Sunday. I can't imagine the emotional roller coaster, Jesus being human, knowing what he was preparing himself to do. Maybe we skim over the reality that Jesus' feelings were still involved. Incredibly stressful knowing that you're about to be sentenced guilty. Knowing that you're an innocent man, only want to save them, and knowing that this was the Father's plan to be the sacrificial lamb. And what that meant for Jesus, right, in the garden as He was praying to be that sacrifice. Well, the triumphal entry, that's Palm Sunday, Jesus comes. The celebration, the parade was one like we've never seen. Waiting for this King few days later, he'd be having the Last Supper with his disciples. He'd be betrayed by one of his very closest friends who he's been in ministry with, handed over, be arrested. Hosanna on today, and in a few days, crucify. The ups and downs, I can't even imagine. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus comes into Jerusalem as a king riding on a donkey and not as on a horse ready for war, but as a donkey preparing for peace. And I want to read verse 1 through 10. And as they approached Jerusalem, the disciples, and came to Bethphage and Bethany at Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you. 
And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Just say, the Lord needs it and he will send it back here shortly. And they went and found a colt outside in the street and tied it at the doorway. Tied at the doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying this colt? They, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let him go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. And many people were spreading cloaks on the road, while others spreading branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, co- the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Just a few days earlier, Jesus had made the statement, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The word Hosanna literally means save. Save. Save us. Shouted the crowd. How right they were. But how little did they really understand what they were saying. What they didn't know was that Jesus' kingdom was totally different than taking and overthrowing the Romans. Without knowing the details, the crowd were articulating what Jesus really did come to do. And as Jesus rode into town, the people just let loose with joyous, uninhibited public praise. And as the people were shouting and rejoicing and Dancing and celebrating. The Pharisees, the ones who Jesus called snakes, they were there in the crowd. In fact, they seemed to always be in the background of Jesus' ministry. Looking with condemning eyes and judging Him. In fact, some of the miracles that He was doing, they didn't approve of because He did it on a Sunday or the Sabbath. And they condemned Him for that. And the miracles that He done, they thought that He was doing it out of the devil's power. That he was blaspheming God. You see, he was, the religious leaders thought that they were honoring God by all of the religious activities that they were doing in their religion. And Jesus came and destroyed what was a setup as that religious activity into entrance into heaven and said, you just have to have the relationship with me. And the, disciple, or the, the, the religious leaders did not like that. And so the Pharisees they saw that Jesus was being praised and honored. And the Pharisees didn't like it. And so they told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He simply says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. Jesus is saying, what my father and I are about to do has merited their praise. And if my people won't do it, my creation will pour forth, speech, pour forth speech and cry out. And they do. Just to hover over this for a, a moment. We see it everywhere in creation, the mountains, how majestic they point to heaven. The oceans roar with His power. The stars whisper deep astonishment with the expansiveness. 
The sun shines brilliant with truth and the moon stands defiantly against a dark sky backdrop. The trees, they shake with the breath like wind and the hills roll with His voice. And yes, even the rocks shout when boulders roll away from their resting place and the babbling brook that rushes by. Creation all around shouts praise to the architect of life, and his name is Jesus. The one who is riding on this donkey into Jerusalem publicly on display as if saying, I am here for you. I will be your Passover lamb. I will be the king of peace. I will set up authority in a way that you don't comprehend yet, but you will. He was showing to the world that he was preparing to face death as a king. Sentenced and looked on as guilty in the eyes of government and church leaders. Hated, accused, condemned, spit on, mocked, stripped completely naked of all of his dignity. He is preparing his journey for you. There are two responses that the people gave to Jesus that were appropriate, although I don't think they had the total understanding of what was to happen as we see it. We knew what was happening in the next few days. They didn't. But the praise is still the same. It was appropriate. It was adequate. And it is necessary. There are two objects that they use to praise God with. And I think that we can implement them and just put a little bit of a practical use as we identify with those in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and be able to put into practice today how to praise God, the the coming King. Jesus was coming as a king of peace. We have the king of peace in our hearts, but there is a day that he is coming again, riding on a white horse. And in both instances, we are, are we prepared to praise? In verse 7 and 8, when they brought the cult to Jesus, they threw their, cro- their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches, they had cut from the fields, palm branches. There's two things that people lay down before the Lord. And so the question for us is, what are we going to lay down before the Lord? What is it that we're willing to come and lay before the King, your King, Jesus? These two items were common. I think it's noteworthy to say that they were everyday uses. In your everyday life, there is something that you can set before the Lord. In every circumstance of your life, things that are common in your household. And what you are familiar with. The things that you have become accustomed to or used to. These are things that they had laid down before the Lord. The first thing what they laid down before Jesus was the cloak. It's the outer garment. There was an outer garment and there was an inner garment. The outer garment was meant, of course, as an, a covering for the inner garment. To conceal, to hide, to protect from the wind, from the sun, the dust, 
the elements to cover, to conceal. And to take off the outer garment in public would be almost as if you were coming out in public without any clothes on. You were stripping away your dignity. You were stripping away everything that you had to conceal and to cover yourself, and you're saying, I'm taking off the shell of pride. I'm taking off the shell of me. I'm taking off the shell of my protection. I'm taking off this cloak that covers me that I can hide behind. I'm going to take it off, and I'm going to place my dignity before God. I'm going to honor Him with my life. I'm going to take off the pride. The cloaks were used by men, women, and children, and these cloaks were different. Some of them were beautiful and ornate, and they, 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 they had colors on them. And It wasn't just some bland garb that they wore, but some of them really, it, it was an identity of their social status, who they were, their wealth. It was their identity that they took off, and so when everybody's together in their undergarments, everybody was the same. Because deep down inside, you could have the most beautiful, perfectly groomed lawn. You could have the most beautiful house on the block. You could, you, you could have the most awesome looking car. But when you strip all that away, and all that we're left with is our humanity. And we're all in the same boat. And we take all of that earthly possessions away from us. And we're left to just bring that down before the Lord. And we say, here I am. I'm stripping myself away to reveal who I really am before Jesus as the coming king. I don't want to have anything in my life that's going to block me from having Jesus see what's truly underneath. And it's so common for us to hide behind these cloaks It's too common for us to live into an identity that is outside of the identity of Christ. And the coming King of Peace strips all of that away. Takes it away. And in return, we receive His authority, His kingship, His lordship, His provision, And all authority under heaven that is given to Him will be given to you. What are we throwing down? This was literally and figuratively to those who were casting away the potential to hide themselves. They put their praise into action. To put away the secrets, to remove the mask. And they just lay it before the Lord. The second thing that they, they did was lay down the palm branches. Palm branches were and are in abundance. All throughout the Jordan River on the banks, there's palm branches, palm trees, palm kind of bushes. Throughout the towns like Jericho, there's palm leaves. In fact, it's an important identity and throughout uh, sculpture in the ancient uh, structures is depictions of palm branches. Palm branches 
were a familiar scene, a common scene that they, a common thing that they laid before Jesus as well as their cloaks. And I want to recapture just a little bit of the scene again to put things right in order so we know the significance between these two items. Jesus rides into town and people strip away their outer defense and bring it down before God. And as Jesus riding and they're waving palm trees in the spirit of the victory of a king. And as Jesus is coming, they're chanting over and over again, Hosanna. And in the Hebrew, it really means, I beg you to save or please deliver us. And to me, I see that Jesus has come to save us from the common things in this world. The shell of ourselves, the familiarity of sin that surrounds us in our everyday visible life. Jesus came to give us victory over the familiar, empty, strongholds of sin. The palm branches represent victory, and they would wave these whenever a king would come in or a warrior, and Jesus is looked on as a king, but not as a king that has conquered anything that's on earth, but spiritually. The only thing that causes spiritual decay and death is sin. So when we wave those palm branches spiritually, they were saying victory over sin. And how common is sin in our world? Everywhere we look, there was, a, there was sin plastered all over society and culture and the world. We are surrounded by the commonness, the familiarity of sin. But if we take that palm branch and we return that over into praise, we turn that sin into victory, a point of praise. So when you have sin in your life and, you have, and God has brought his lordship over that, that palm branch is a sign of victory of Jesus in your life. Yesterday and today, the commonality of the sin can be defeated and it can be destroyed by Jesus' victory. Through the power in Him, we can praise Him. Why? Because He has put to death sin in our lives. Point blank. When He puts it to death, He casts it from the east as far as to the west. He erases it. His arms are stretched out on the cross. And He says, this is how big my love is for you. You don't even know how big it is. We praise Him for the victory in our lives. That He has done and not what you have done. We point back praise for the common areas of our life that seem to be so much a part of us that we claim the victory in Jesus through the palm branches of praise to our King. Jesus has come to bring victory not just to those extravagant big things in our lives, but the everyday life that we live. Do we praise Jesus for the victory that He's given? I want to ask that Joey and um, Tiffany, can you come forward? I hope that Katie mentioned this to you because I mentioned it to her just as a whisper. I want her to sing her song to us. But I'm just going to have the music play and then when we're ready, I'm going to give you the nod and you go right ahead. I'm not going to ask you to stand. In fact, if I can just have Javier, can you turn the lights off just right here? 
Yeah, just there, you, there you, that works. We're just going to bring things down a little bit because I want this to be a little bit reflective. I don't want any distractions. It just kind of helps. We're talking about the king of peace. We're talking about victory over worry and anxiety. We're talking about Jesus being alive. We're talking about Jesus putting to death certain things in our life that are common. We need to lay it to rest and bury it. We need to be resurrected with a new identity. We're talking about approaching Jesus with, with stripping everything off except for our humanity, our hearts, our emotions, our victories, our successes, our blessings, our letdowns, the things we did, the things we didn't do, everything who we are. It doesn't matter what we brought into this place, right? When we strip it all away, we're all together. Then all of us have fallen short. And all of us are needing victory. And it doesn't matter if you've been raised in church your entire life. The message is still for you. We need victory to be the commonplace in our life. There's common distractions, common letdowns, common sins. And God is ready to replace that with peace. He's ready to deliver you from pain in your life. What I want you to do is you can bow your heads or close your eyes. Simply put, I just want the distractions to leave. Let it be gone. I, we're not here to be distracted. We're here to focus on God. You're here to make a connection, to grow closer. You're here to have the Holy Spirit teach you, to speak to you. Eliminate that, whatever that is. This is your personal time with Jesus. I just want to paint a picture as we're sitting together, we're here together. Put our focus where it belongs. I want to paint this picture for you. I want you to picture your street that you live on. Your house. Your apartment. Your duplex. Where you live, I want you to picture where the cars are parked out on the road or in the driveway, the grass out front or the trees by the mailbox, the view from your front doorstep as you open it. Maybe the speed of traffic going by. Now imagine coming down your street you spot a crowd of people. And in the middle of that crowd of people is Jesus coming. You haven't physically seen Him before, but you just know that it's Jesus. The crowd is, is big. But not too big that you, you know you couldn't, couldn't come meet Him. 
But it fills the street and it's slowly making its way from neighbor to neighbor and it's approaching your doorstep where you're standing. And you notice something. That as Jesus is slowly coming by, people are taking possessions and they're laying it down before God. You don't know what it is. They're laying it down before Jesus. They're frantically running back and forth in the house and they're taking it and they're just laying it before Him. And as Jesus is walking by, you can see that people are celebrating and rejoicing and dancing. You're not exactly sure. You see yourself and you ask the question, Maybe I need to lay some things down too. As Jesus is approaching where you're standing at your house, you begin to think, what sort of things do I need to grab and just give it over to Jesus? To just place it at the curb. As He passes by, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to hesitate. You want to give it to Him. You've been holding on to things too long. And you have an opportunity that when you, when you give it to him, he's going to take that oh, and he's going to replace it with something better. You just see the joy, the celebration that is happening and you're on your own street. I want to speak to you. What do you have that needs to be laid down. Maybe you know exactly what it is and you run back in the house and you pick up the pain of a lost loved one that you've been wrestling with, the hurt. And you miss them. You need Jesus to make you complete. So you rush out and you give it over to him as he's passing by. And he takes that despair, that pile of despair and loneliness, and he replaces it with hope. And he takes that loneliness and he gives you his complete comfort. Maybe you go inside, you grab the pressure, the stress, the worry, the anxiety that you have placed on yourself. And you lay it down before him. And he replaces it and he gives you this overwhelming, calming sense that everything's going to be okay. Maybe you go inside and you grab all of those goals, those standards that you've placed upon yourself and you're ready to just give it over to Jesus. Maybe it's the feelings of inadequacy. You just don't feel good enough to meet Jesus, but you're ready to just go ahead and put it before Him. And as you do, 
turns to you and just simply says, I love you. Perhaps you need to bundle up the distrust that you've had in Him. The uncertainty that you just can't shake. You take that. You place it before Him. He gives you this supernatural faith. Maybe it's just the fear of being stripped away that scares you and now you're ready and you're timid. You say, I don't know if I can let it go, but you hesitantly do it. And and God gives you such great confidence and strength. As you kneel down and you place it before Him, you stand up with an assurance in your life. Or maybe you just lay down your time at His feet. Maybe your body is broken and you need healing. And you come to Jesus, whether you're hobbling or you can barely make it, and you lay your pain before Him. And He reaches out and touches you. Whatever it is, you can lay it down today. And God will take your move of faith as a sacrifice of praise. And as we bring Him all of this stuff that we've accumulated, we set before Him, maybe you get a glimpse of Jesus and His eyes are swelling with tears. And He looks directly into you and your soul. And you're looking at Him eye to eye. And He just says, I'm so proud of you. Laying it down. Letting God be Lord over that area of our life. He will extend all of His grace every bit of His mercy will flood your soul and all of His power will be unleashed. And we will have no other choice because all we can do is just shout Hosanna. Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than what we ask or what we think according to the power at work within us. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And when we ask, He gives. And He's a good Father who gives good gifts. And He does it abundantly. It's the grace and the power of God in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. I want to ask, we're going to do a little prayer. We're going to close with a song. How many of you have something that you need to lay down? Just raise your hand. We're just going to pray together. When we pray, we're not just praying empty words that bounce off the ceiling and stay here. 
We are people of faith that believe that God hears us and answers us in our time of need. We have things that we need to lay down and He's going to take that. Can I just reaffirm that? God will take that. He will give you exactly what you need. More of Him. Let's pray. God, You're you're good. You showed us that You can be King over every area of our life. Those common things that seem to flood our heads and our hearts, we need a release. We thank You, O Lord, that You've granted us entrance into Your presence through Your Son, Jesus. We know that there is is power not in our name, but in Your name. So in Jesus' name, we ask for healing. Healing over anxiety, worry, and fear in Jesus' name. Healing over thoughts of inadequacy, oppression, depression. Revive us, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray for faith that you will heal us, strengthen us, heal us from fear, make us confident in the name of Jesus. Heal every area of our lives as we lay it down before you. Heal our hearts that have been blackened with sin, make us white as snow. Do the miracle that you came to do with your son Jesus. We come and profess the work that only he could do over our lives. And we demonstrate with faith to believe in the name of Jesus in our own lives. Heal us, refresh us, make us new in Jesus' name we said together. Amen. We're going to sing this song together. Let's stand.
Jesus, thank You for cleansing us, making us whole, purifying us, sanctifying us, making us new. And God, by Your grace, by the power and provision of Your Son, we receive everything that You have for us today. We can walk out of here with confidence and strength and power because, God, You have given us the gift in the identity of Jesus Christ. We love You. We praise You. And we live for You today. In Jesus' name we say together, Amen. Amen. Be confident in the work and the love of God over you in your life. We will see you this Friday at 7 o'clock. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And if you're planning on being